Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey there, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 29 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. My name is Ed Gandia. And this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. You can find detailed show notes to this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 29. Today's episode is a bit on the mindset side of things. And those of you who have been following me for a while know that I'm a huge believer in the power of developing and maintaining the right mindset, and not just in your business, but in your personal life as well. I really believe that uh, freelance writing in any type of of, uh, entrepreneurship uh, or any type of freelance endeavor is much more an inner game than it is an outer game. So in other words, it's much more about what's going on inside your head and in your heart than it is about the things that you do, mechanically do. Uh, And today's guest is a a gentleman that I think really speaks to this and speaks to a very specific side of this issue that we haven't addressed in the show before. His name is Jeff Goins of GoinsWriter.com, and he's also the author of a wonderful little book called the in-between, embracing the tension between now and the next big thing. And this book addresses an issue that couldn't be more relevant and important today. So we live in an age of instant gratification, right? We all know that. We we all want things now. We want the, the clients, the right clients. We want a higher income, a better car, an amazing partner, uh, that trip we've been planning to Europe for weeks or months, we want to experience that today. We want it now. We can't wait. And while it's great to be ambitious and to want things in the right circumstances and the right things in our life, Jeff argues that this can also cause us to miss all the little things that make life so sweet and amazing. He argues that, look, all those breakthroughs, all these wonderful things are very short-lived. What really lasts a long time is that in-between time, right? When you're going for something. And if you don't live that moment, if you're not present, you're going to miss out on a lot. Therefore, his book is called The In-Between. So anyway, I asked Jeff to come onto the show and to talk about how this impacts us as freelance writers or aspiring freelance writers. I really found this to be a very thought-provoking conversation. I hope you find it useful and inspiring yourself. And hang tight after the interview. I'll be back with some messages. Enjoy it. All right. So I am sitting here with Jeff Goins from GoinsWriter.com. And uh, Jeff, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you. Thanks, Ed. Good to be with you. So, you know, I wanted to kind of set the stage because this this show is a little bit different from what we've been doing uh, lately. And here in in, in my post and in a lot of the information that I put out there, it's, it's really a lot about setting goals and taking action and going after big things. But I've also found that in the process of going after that next big thing, your big goal, it's very easy to let life slip away, to just miss 
the moments that that make up that journey. I mean, I know in my case, impatience is like a running theme <laughs> in my life, and I, and I hate to admit that, but I'm just being you know very open with you guys. I. I, from when I was a kid, I remember I couldn't wait for the next big thing, for the next holiday, for, you know, the next summer vacation. And this has been something that I've struggled with for a long, long time. So when I came across Jeff recently, he's got a a message that really speaks to this. And he makes some very, very important points. I wanted to really bring him to the show because this is a, a topic that's near and dear to his heart. He's also struggled with this, um, and he's done a lot of thinking and a lot of writing in this area. And I wanted to shine a spotlight on this issue because it's something that affects us all as freelancers who really have to direct kind of our own life and in our own business. We're, we're in charge here, and it's really up to us. So, uh, Jeff, it, it, it's really good to be talking with you about this, and, and it's a, a topic that I don't think gets enough attention out there. Yeah, I, I agree, Ed. Thanks for um, broaching the subject, and I'm, I'm excited to uh, talk about it. And hopefully, it'll uh, help some people enjoy where they they are and um, make sense of their journey. Cool, cool. So, so let's let's talk about. I guess first of all, why why do you think we do this? Why is it that we and and I say as as freelance writers, but really most of us, right? Doesn't matter what we do for a living. Today in this society, we tend to focus on the next big thing and usually at the expense of the journey to get there. Why is that? Yeah, so this is a great question. This is why I wrote a book about this uh, subject, not because I'm the world's most uh, patient, most content person in the world, but probably because I'm the worst at that or one of the worst. And um, I noticed that this is pretty common in our culture um, to want the next big thing, often at the expense of what's right in front of us. And I think that there are probably lots of explanations for it. But how I make sense of it is, um, you know, we live in probably the most affluent age, um, you know, that the world has ever seen. And, you know, case in point, we're, we're speaking to each other, um, you know, uh, miles away and, and through you know, incredible um, technology that we couldn't have imagined um, just a few years ago. And and it's sort of like commonplace. It, it is for me, and I would imagine it is for you, Ed, you know, you use this technology every single day. And so I think that life, in many respects, has become pretty easy. You know, it, it, survival is no longer a question. It's a given. And so when you, you know, get to that point of luxury, I think it's somewhat natural to expect um, you know, that everything should come easily. And the problem with that is uh, life doesn't always match up with uh, our expectations. That is so true. Um, it, it used to be that um, there was an expected wait time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's like yeah. everything drives, everything points to convenience in making things faster and easier. I know in my, I, mean, I can't even, I find myself frustrated if I have to wait in line more than a minute anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's certainly this entitlement. I mean, I heard somebody recently say, um, you know, that, that we are speaking kind of broadly and multi-generationally, but everybody who's kind of living in this era of, uh, in you know, the information age, we are the uh, most entitled, most ungrateful generation ever. And I, I think that um, uh, for me, how I make sense of this is, you know, you go from 
uh, looking at uh, uh, all the things that you have that you're grateful for because life is hard and life is a struggle. I'm speaking, you know, in terms of a few generations ago. And now all those things are a given. So what do you do? You start looking at the few things that you don't have. And you go, well, I don't have that. And my life is terrible. I don't have the car that I want. I don't have the salary that I'd like. Uh, I'm not as famous as I hope to be. And we tend to fixate on the things that we don't have uh, while kind of brushing aside the things that we do have. And the irony I found is the more that you concentrate on what you don't have, um, the less motivated you are to um, actually you know, get, those, get those things and the less happy, happy you are. I think that's obvious. And the more grateful you are for what you have, uh, you know, certainly you um, have this this gratitude going through life. But I also think that, um, you know, that there's kind of something magical about that where you tend to come by the things that you don't have uh, more easily because you have less of a scarcity mindset, more of an abundance mindset. And, and you don't need those things and you're not envying those things. But um, I, I think that... Uh, when we don't have, you know, we, we tend to kind of go down the slippery slope of um, woe is me and having less and less as a result of that. And when we, um, you know, do have, we, we tend to get even more. And I think that goes for influence. I think that's definitely true. Nobody wants to hang around with somebody who uh, keeps talking about how many friends they don't have. And I think uh, within reason, it's also true when it comes to um, wealth and resources. You know, I, I used to think that this is uh, a, a bunch of trash, and right, uh, right, and, and there was a point in my life where I thought, yeah, but that's easy for you, Mister Professional, to say because you're at a different point in your life. But I tell you, the, the and let's just take one aspect of all of this uh, finances. The the better I've done in my business the more I realize that, uh, you know, that there's never an end to this. I mean, this is not something that someone way up above can afford to preach to others. This is, um, at every level of success, um, I've found that th this holds true, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. Yeah. I mean, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, refers to this in outliers and he actually quotes a section in the Bible, which is interesting where he talks about how, um, he's quoting Jesus where he says, you know, those who have will get more and those who, uh, have not, that'll be taken away from them, which sounds really bad. Uh, but, but I think the principle is, is interesting, which is to say, People who know how to use their resources and, and know how to use them wisely, and I mean, I, I'm speaking broadly, but you can certainly apply that to finances, tend to turn those resources into more resources. And those who don't um, tend to lose what they have. And, and so w what I have seen in my own life is uh, it's certainly not easy, uh, but once you change your mindset, um, your reality uh, becomes that much more malleable. You know, it it, be, it it tends to conform to your expectations, and and so if if you're going through life thinking, uh, man, like I, I'm never going to have enough, then guess what? You never have enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and if you go through life thinking, man, today is a gift, and I am going to use it the best that I can. Everything that comes your way, and things certainly seem to come your way. Uh, um, it, it feels like a gift and, and, and it's just sort of this compounding effect and uh, some of it is just a mindset issue and, and, and some of it is that, you know, that, that mindset in some way, some mysterious way, um, you know, uh, t tends to have an effect on our 
external circumstances. If for no other reason, then we often get the things that we expect. Now, I'm wondering in your research into this this topic, because I know you took a, a deep dive into this, obviously, to write your book. Um, it, did you find anything that, that um, indicated that maybe this is starting to change us biologically? Uh, because I'm wondering, you know, the, 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 the rate of change uh, that we're experiencing today and change meaning, you know, gratification, um, uh, getting things immediately, uh, the, the convenience factor. Is this starting to really kind of rewire our brain in, in some way? Well, I mean, there, there has been a, you know, a lot in the news over the past two or three years about how the Internet is changing the way we think. And I think the Internet is, it has certainly kind of been the pinnacle of uh, achievement, you know, for the world in terms of technology, connectedness, and even business. You know, the opportunity to earn a living, which is something that I do from, you know, the comfort of my couch with, you know, a, a, a p one piece of equipment and very little uh, overhead. Uh, and, and so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of amazing things about it, but because we, you know, at, at the, you know, at your fingertip, uh, reach, you can get just about anything you want. Uh, this has led to this entitlement that we're, um, you know, talking about. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that I would speak to that biologically because, frankly, there's there's a lot of back and forth on this. Some people think it's really good. Some people think it's um, really bad. There's some some interesting, you know, articles, uh, you know, and um, citations from people that are a lot smarter than me. Um, but, you know, what I will say is uh, looking at uh, my own life, um, it's... Um, it's kind of impossible to ignore the fact that I am, uh, you know, much more prone to distraction than I was five or ten years ago. And even just, you know, getting an iPhone, I, I've realized there is the temptation in my pocket at any time to engage with somebody on the other side of the world and uh, to disengage with whatever is in front of me, which often is like, you know, my wife or my son or people that should matter more. And when you stop and think about it, you go, this is ridiculous. But in the moment, um, I, I, I am prone to this and, and a lot of my friends are too. You know, we, we choose the person on the other side of the world, which is kind of um, uh, ridiculous. And so for me, I, I'm less interested because I'm not a scientist. I'm less interested in proving biologically that this is like rewiring the way we think. And I'm more interested in just kind of the basic practicality of it. I'm sure there's biology involved. But when you do this over and over and over again and technology makes this really, really easy, you're going to form a habit. And, and for me, I learned uh, the hard way over the past year and a half of becoming a parent how much I had practiced the habit of distraction and impatience and how with having, you know, a, a young baby and now a toddler, um, how much that reared its ugly head just in really struggling to be present to, to the moment where my son was um, growing, where he was changing right in front of my eyes. And I had just a few experiences where um, I, I wasn't fully present and I missed something big. And I, I very quickly realized, man, I do not want to do this. And in what other aspects of my life am I doing this where I'm looking at the next big thing or, you know, checking Twitter or doing something ridiculous, um, you know, because what is right in front of me seems less important than what 
is you know beyond or in the future or over there. Um, what am I missing when I'm doing that? And and how can I be present and try to not miss a thing? You know, and, and this is actually this leads to to my next question because um, we've been talking about the importance of this, but the, but there's actually something you you talk about, I believe, in your book, uh, which is the growth that that happens in these moments of waiting and in building something and in how these are the most important moments in the whole process of going after something big. It's not the attainment of the big thing or the goal, whatever it is. And and I know I've been kind of using this example of either uh, quitting your day job, launching your business full time, you know, hitting the six figure mark, wherever it might be, right? That big goal. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that and what kind of growth you're referring to during this process? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I used to live for the big moments without realizing that, uh, really life is mostly made up of, uh, the time in between those big moments. So this in between time, uh, I think is a very important time. It is the, it is basically how we live our lives. Andy Dillard, um, how we spend our days is how we live our lives. And um, what, you know, what she was saying there was, um, look at what you're doing today. Don't look at uh, what your goals are, what your aspirations and dreams are. Look at how you spent today. And if you're honest, um, today probably wasn't as much of an outlier uh, as you would like to think. How you spent today is in essence, a microcosm of how you're spending your life. And so really the, the, the question is, am I practicing the kind of person that I want to become? Am I practicing uh, doing what's going to get me those goals or are those just distant dreams? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the first uh, lesson that I've learned about to embrace the in-between is just the importance of being who I am and doing what I want to do you know, in the future, practicing that in some small way uh, now and then the other reality is coming to grips with the fact that we're never done that there's always another goal and and I've learned this um, over the past couple of years of starting my own business quitting my job uh, making more money than I've ever made before and still not feeling complete and, and and kind of going you know what's the deal I got everything that I wanted and I'm still not satisfied and so, I mean, that tells me a few things. You know, first it tells me that uh, maybe uh, the goal of my life isn't to get everything that I want, but to live a great story. And uh, second, um, maybe the, the goal is to just live the life that you've been given to live today as, as well as you can. And I think that uh, I, I have uh, more of an entrepreneurial mind than uh, my, a lot of my friends and, and family. And I think the curse of an entrepreneur or a creative person is, because uh, often they're one and the same, is to have this great big hope, this great big dream, this huge vision for what life will look like when you do this amazing work or create this thing or write that book or whatever it might be. And, and, that's, a gr and that's great to have that hope, but the problem is, uh, we tend to live for that arrival and forget that it takes a need to get there. And if all we're ever doing is waiting for the then and not enjoying the now, um, I, don't, I don't think we're going to uh, be very proud of the lives that we're living because, as I mentioned, when you get to that, 
that then moment, it's there's still another there's still you know another then to get to you know um, I I like the analogy of climbing a mountain you know you climb to the top of a mountain you think you you've you've you know gotten as high as you possibly could but once you get up there your perspective has changed and you realize wow this is one small peak an entire in an entire range of mountains and I am just beginning and that can be very humbling and even defeating if you're living for the mountaintop but if you're doing work that you love and learn to love what you do then you enjoy every step of the process not just that one small moment when you're standing on the highest height you know it, it, this makes a lot of sense to me and and i i couldn't agree with you more i'm going to play devil's advocate here for a minute and I, I do have a lot of listeners who are in a situation that, um, well, they feel a little stuck, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're sure. approaching retirement, and they're excellent writers. They've actually been writing on the side for a while. They're making you know somewhat of an income, but it's not enough to be able to just do this uh, for, for the rest of their lives. So what I sense, because I, I field a lot of emails, and in, in the, the recurring theme is this, I, I need to get out of the situation that I'm in right now. I can't afford to do so financially. The financial collapse you know, a few years ago like destroyed my 401k. Writing is my passion. This is what I want to do, but I need to be able to make money from it. So at that point, kind of that big thing becomes a... Uh, such a burning desire that I mean, what do you tell someone who feels well? Um, this is this is the only hope that I have. Uh, and, and and you know, I'm not 40 years old like you are. You know, I'm 60 <laughs> mm-hmm. or 65. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I uh, I would say be careful of what you place your hope in. Um, and uh, I would, and at the same time, I would say, if you've got a dream, if you've got a passion, go for it. Um, what I want to be careful of saying is, it's not bad to want things. It's really good to want things. And uh, you know, those of us who are living in some kind of free market society where you can uh, literally change the course of your life, the kind of career that that you have, and and the life that you're living. Um, we need to um, be grateful for that freedom, that opportunity, because not everybody in the world has it. And so what a gift that choice is. Um, at the same time, let's be careful that, that we don't um, put so much stock in one change, thinking it's going to do more for us than, than it can. And, and the truth is, work can only do so much for you. And I find that uh, the things that I struggle with um, and uh, I, in any aspect of life, whether day job, my marriage, whatever, uh, you know, areas of impatience and ingratitude and, uh, you know, just not being a nice person sometimes when I don't get my way. Uh, those things, um, because I've experienced this, because I've recently quit my job, I've recently started a business, uh, recently become a parent. Uh, I, in some ways, I told myself a nice little lie, which was, this job, this inconvenience, um, you know, my spouse not letting me get my way, uh, these are the things standing in the way of what I really want. And, and if those obstacles were gone, uh, I would not only have want, I would be who I want to be. And the only person who has any control over who you are and who in the kind of person that you want to be is you. 
And so um, I have taken my stuff, my issues, my insecurities, my nastiness um, from one thing to the next. And I think we, we have to be really careful. And I'm not saying don't quit your job because if your job sucks, quit it, you know, and have a plan and, and do it. Uh, but don't uh, impose on your current situation uh, certain things that, that aren't just there or that you actually have control over because the truth is, most of our obstacles, not all of them, but most of them are internal. And it's not until we overcome those internal op- obstacles that we really have the wherewithal to face the um, external ones. And I've done it wrong. I've gone uh, from you know one thing to the next and then just brought all that stuff, all those obstacles that I said, oh, it's the job, it's this person. If, I just, if this were just gone, I would, I would be more productive, I would be more successful. And, and no, that's not been the case. Only when I've uh, taking responsibility uh, for myself and my actions and, and my attitude, have I been able to actually change those things that sometimes I was uh, placing on, on other people, you know, placing the blame on them. Man, that that is so true. And, and you know, in my own life, in my own career, I remember I was in I was in sales for a long time in corporate sales. And um, one of the things that I hated was the fact that I was always thrown into these really bad territories. Uh, Nobody wanted them or they were brand new. I'd never had the luxury of, of having a developed territory that I could just, you know, at least make a little bit of money in and, and just, you know, not work so hard. And for a long time, I was very resentful of that. And looking back, I realized that what appeared to be the worst thing about my career ended up being the biggest blessing because it was that challenge, that constant challenge over a 12 year period that stretched me and made me um, uh, have to explore different ways of building territories. And this is the only reason I'm where I am today and why I'm so good at marketing and selling because I had to be. I never had the luxury of sitting back. So sometimes I think that there's a um, there's that silver lining in what's going on, and I hate to use a cliche, but it's so true. We just need to pay attention, and sometimes it may not, may not be obvious at first, right? But it's mm-hmm. it's always there. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's it's easy to look backward at all of our hardships and go, "Wow, that really made me a better person." It's often difficult to look at the current struggle and say, "This is making me a better person right now." Yeah. But what I found in, in through, I did a survey on my blog while I was writing this book and I heard back from something like 700 readers and one of the things we talked about, one of the, um, the in-between areas that people were struggling with, uh, it was this painful area. It was tragedy. It was, uh, you know, my mom's cancer or I've been unemployed for six years. Um, what, what could be so good about this? And, and yet these people were saying, um, I am uh, growing so much. I am learning so much. I don't like this situation, but I can't control it. And so what I'm learning in this space where I am clearly out of control, uh, I am growing. And um, I'm not saying that this is a necessarily a good feeling uh, or that it's even a fun place to be or a place that we should wish to be. What I am saying is it's inevitable. At certain points in your life, uh, things are going to slow down. You are not going to get your way. You will be disappointed. And the question isn't just what are you going to do. The question is who are you going to be. And if you wait until that time 
happens, you're going to be like a lot of people, which is, um, you know, blaming everybody, frustrated, mad. And, and yet, if ahead of time you understand this is how life is, and this may be the greatest tool for growth we have, which is inconvenience, waiting, delays, not getting what we want right now. Again, it's, there's nothing wrong with wanting more, wanting better. Uh, but this is how we get there. We go through the in-between. We go through the valley to get to the mountaintop. And I think if we're honest, if it weren't for that valley, we really wouldn't enjoy the view quite as much. It reminds me of uh, the road trips that we used to take as a family when we were kids. And there was no DVD player in the car. We There were, there were six of us, if you can believe it, Jeff. And we had to come up with our own games. And we're talking hours and hours and hours in the car. And it, it was painful, but that's all we knew, right? I think now we have the option, right? Well, you know, you can pop in a DVD. You can listen to your iPod or a podcast. Um, back then, there was no choice. And what it did do, and, and this is why I love this message, what it did do is we grew uh, closer together. You know, we, we talked more. We, we got to know each other a little more. We joked around more. We had more fun. Um, and I think that's a metaphor for, for life and, and just waiting. And I, I think that's a lot of what you're, you're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. And I, I had a similar experience, um, you know, not too long ago. When I graduated college, um, which feels not too long ago, but I guess it was probably you know almost a, a decade ago, um, and spent a year traveling with a band uh, in a in a van with, and there were seven of us, and we were driving around in this conversion van, going to all of these different gigs for um, nine months. You know, we were on tour, went did three different tours, about three months apiece, and um, you know. When I tell people I was a professional musician for a year, they think, oh, that's really cool. Then when I tell them what that really means is I spent 12 hours a day in a van, you know, on the road and about 45 minutes each evening playing a show, it sounds a little less exciting. And what I had to learn halfway through the year is if we are, you know, if, if these long car rides are just the inconvenience that we have to endure to get to that one show per day, then we are wasting our time, you know, because it's not <laughs> so true, not, not worth it. Uh, but if this is all part of the journey and we can learn to, uh, you know, I mean, this was my family for a year. We're, we're my bandmates. If we can learn to enjoy and appreciate this and, you know, and sometimes it was kind of boring. You know, there's there is a lot of the United States and a lot of North America that is cornfields uh, and you can only look at so much corn. But uh, as you experienced, Ed, you know, like you find ways to pass the time and it can be a lot of fun and it can uh, be kind of boring times, but you learn things about each other. You learn things about yourselves that you don't learn in shorter amounts of time because you have to. And I think that life uh, in many ways is like that. It's like that, that car ride where we're trying to get to that, that destination, that vacation spot and we're ignoring all the things around us. And I think uh, it can be difficult, and it is certainly a discipline. But if we have eyes to see um, what's good about right now, what's good about you know the five blog readers I have, or you know the the one piece that I got published two years ago, or you know whatever small accomplishments, and we go, oh, that's nothing. I want this. 
Um, if we can learn to enjoy and appreciate what we have now, trusting that the destinations will come, that, you know, again, striving isn't necessarily bad, but we're going to enjoy this whole thing. Uh, I just think life's going to be a bit more um, in, enjoyable and you're going to be a bit more sane enjoying it. So I've been nodding my head the whole time you're talking here because I'm in, in full agreement with you. Um, but I also know what's going to happen after we we are done here. I'm going to um, have the best intentions, but my bad habits and my old condition is going to kind of take over and I'm going to quickly revert to my old ways. So my question to you is, how can we make these ideas, which sound great, how can we make them a little bit more practical? So day to day, how can we catch ourselves? How can we change some of this behavior so that I'm not saying overnight, but over time, we can maybe pay a little bit more attention and start enjoying this in between moments. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think the the short answer is you got to build some habits and, and my habits won't look like your habits, but I think that um, we need to create habits in our lives, little benchmarks throughout our days um, that remind us that this is life. That 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 all of this, all these small moments, add up to um, something big. And and as I mentioned, you know, it's it's like um, getting up with my son at six thirty in the morning and us uh, playing together for a couple of hours while his mom sleeps in before you know my wife and I tag team and I go to work and and she takes over. Um, I can spend that time waiting, you know, uh, for what's to come next. Uh, you know, I, I've got all these emails to answer. I've got all this work to do, and I can I can just worry all the way through those those two hours and, and waste that time. Or I can get down on the floor and play with him. And every time I make that choice, I go, "Wow, this is this is it. Like this is you know what life is about. This is the good stuff." Um, so practically. What what that looks like is I think that we have to create habits that um, uh, allow us to um, slow down and uh, let go of control because we don't have it anyway and uh, learn to be more grateful for what's in front of us. And practically three habits that I use on, on almost a daily basis and then they change with the seasons and stuff, but these have worked really well for me because they're simple, they're attainable, and they create just enough space in my life uh, for me to um, change my mindset, to just kind of remind me, oh yeah, like I'm moving a little too fast or I'm not paying enough attention here. And those are uh, going for walks, you know, going for a, a daily walk, um, you know, just like 15 minutes. That, that's enough for me to just uh, take a break and re-energize, refocus. I, I tend to do that in the middle of the day, sometimes at the beginning or end, uh, you know, but it just uh, causes me to enjoy um, nature and uh, what's around me. I'm not trying to get exercise, not on the phone. I'm not checking email. I'm not doing the thousand things that I could be doing. I'm not multitasking. I'm just not focusing. Listen, you're not listening to music. That's right. No, no, no. I'm yeah. just, I, just I'm, you. Looking at the you know the trees fall you know the leaves falling off the trees or whatever. So going for a daily walk and this is actually a, the more research I do this is a very important habit for um, a lot of uh, historical creative professionals. A lot of uh, history's greatest uh, leaders 
um, you know, going for a short stroll um, at the end of, of your day or in the middle of your day is a great way to um, re-energize, refresh, and it can be really good for your creativity in general as well as productivity. Um, going for a walk, uh, making a meal with my hands, you know, from scratch. And it doesn't have to be the best meal in the world. And this is something that I like to do. I'm not great at it, but, um, you know, instead of microwaving something for uh, 90 seconds, you know, I spend an hour or 90 minutes um, preparing something, which just teaches me that some of the best things, some of the most delicious things are worth waiting for. And there's a lot of other things I could be doing. A lot more could be squeezing into that 90-minute block um, but the weight, the anticipation uh, reminds me that uh, there are things in my life that I haven't achieved yet, that haven't come yet, that I'm waiting for. And uh, this whole process of preparing is good. And, and the thing that I'm waiting for will be worth the wait. And then lastly, I try to do this. I definitely do this on the weekends and I try to do this almost every night. Um, I ditch my iPhone. I hide my laptop. I... Um, you know, I try to spend time, uh, not, not just spend time with my family, but be fully present to them. And it's easy to, it's easy for me to, you know, sit in the living room or at the dinner table or whatever and just, you know, occasionally check in on Twitter or see what's going on on Facebook or refresh my email one last time just to do one more thing. And the problem is I go from work to family slash work, you know, back to work and, and, and it never ends. And, and as a result, ironically, the work uh, suffers, as does the family time. And so it's kind of a lose-lose situation. And so when I ditch my iPhone, when I put it in a drawer, when I leave my laptop in the car for the night and um, just fully present to my family for those few hours at night when we have together, I, I tackle the next morning ready to jump back into work. And when I do that, nothing really suffers. You know, No email that I got at 9 p.m. can't wait until 9 a.m. to be answered. Granted, there are some exceptions to that, uh, but for the most part, nothing's really suffered. And, and so, again, those are reminders to me. It's okay to put some things on hold to enjoy the people and things that, that are most precious, precious to me that are in front of me right now. I, I love that. I love, you know, these are simple ideas anyone can do. By the way, I'm, I'm with you 100% on the walk and on the um the cooking thing i happen mm. to do both um i'm the cook here at home so yeah me too. i have no choice <laughs> we don't eat yeah. if, if daddy doesn't cook but um yeah, right. i will admit sometimes it becomes a little bit of a chore especially if everyone's totally. kind of rush and there's a sports practice and um yep. but i i make it a point to at least two of those meals every week really take my time with them. And yep. my goodness, does it make a huge difference? If you like to cook, of course. Um, yep. it, uh, it it really uh, brings the best uh, out of me. And uh, I think the meal tastes just so much better. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I totally agree. And, and I think that, you know, the practical application, the universal application is to do do something creative, do something playful that feels like a waste of time. You know, it's a waste of time to spend two hours in the kitchen when you could just go order something. Uh, but um, Brene Brown talks a lot about this, that play, that that uh, frivolity, doing things that seem like, you know, seem unproductive um, are essential to our mental health and actually contribute to just an overall uh, more productive uh, uh, lifestyle and, and just a healthier uh, mindset. 
Well, I'll add something more for those of you who, who like to cook. Uh, and I'll only admit this to you, Jeff, because it's I've said it to other people and it's a little embarrassing when they don't get it because they don't cook. But I actually enjoy what I call the hunt as much as I do the cooking. So I will make a list. I'll find a recipe. Sounds delicious. I will make my list and I will actually go to the store just to pick up those ingredients. But I take my time there. Mm-hmm. I browse. I smell the vegetable. I mean, I, I really get into this. And I come home, and then I prepare the meal. To me, it's got to be the whole package. And, you know, talk about a quote-unquote waste of time, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just spent like three hours doing this total. Wow. But it uh, it changes the whole thing for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm with you. So, Very cool. Um, Jeff, this is this has been fantastic i really appreciate you coming on it's a, again a very important topic very eye-opening uh and inspiring so thanks for sharing this with us where can listeners learn more about you and your book uh great question ed and great to be with you um go to my blog goinswriter.com goins is spelled like coins but with a g g-o-i-n-s writer.com you can find find all the twitter and facebook links and there's um a place to subscribe to, uh, to my free email newsletter there Super. All right. Well, listen, again, thanks so much. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Sounds great, Ed. Thanks. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jeff Goins. And, you know, this is the kind of talk that reminds me why I love doing the show. I love doing the show for many, many reasons. But one of the biggest reasons is I get to benefit from this material as much as you do. Uh, Even when I'm the one putting it together, when it's me delivering it, it's a great reminder for me and for my own life and my own business, depending on the topic. And when it's a guest, I learn so much from them. Uh, and I hope you've you've learned the same and gotten uh, a lot out of this message that Jeff had to deliver today. Again, you can grab the show notes of this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 29. I also wanted to remind you that today is the last day to register for Close the Deal, which is my online training program for turning more prospects into clients. This is the first time off for this intensive five-week program. And at this point, I have no plans to do this again. So if you'd like to learn how to close 80% or more of every project you quote, regardless of your experience level, check it out at www.closingmoredeals.com. If you enjoyed today's show, why not share with a colleague or two? Send them a link and make it very easy on the show notes page. I have several social media sharing buttons or just email them a quick link. And if you're getting value from the show, I hope you'll consider leaving me a quick star rating or an honest sentence or two in iTunes. Uh, This really helps with the rankings in iTunes and rankings are the biggest way that people who haven't heard of the show come across the show. So if you'd be willing to do that, I would be very, very grateful. So this brings us to the end of the episode. Again, folks, this has been Ed Gandia. I thank you so much for listening and I hope you have an awesome day. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.